copies uh, are entitled, He Came, because um, just to kind of introduce you to this idea and what we're going to be talking about this month, when you go to a birthday party, I mean, Christmas for us is celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When you go to a birthday party, you are celebrating, you know, an accomplishment that they survived in another year of life. I mean, that's one thing you're celebrating. But more than that, you're, you're celebrating what that individual means to you. That, that, you know, if it's your child, you're not just celebrating the fact that they're your older. You're celebrating the fact that they're your son or they're your daughter. They mean something to you, and so you invest into that or you create a space so that you can celebrate who they are to you. Um, even a spouse, you know, when you celebrate a spouse's birthday, it's, 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 you know, it's all that. Grandparents, you celebrate um, a grandchild's birthday in a way, for some reason, that you never celebrated your son. Sorry, Mom, I'm just, just bringing it out there, you know. Like, your grandparents are like, okay, th- now it's three times as many presents. I'm like, I got a Hot Wheel car. What is this? I'm just getting it off my chest. Okay. But you celebrate, you celebrate that relationship. A sibling or a friend, when you go there to that party, you're celebrating the fact that it's their birthday, but you're celebrating what they mean to you. And as much as you know what they mean to you, what your relationship is with them, you're also very much aware that they have a different relationship with other people present. That, that child, that's your child, you understand that, okay, that's my child, but that's also my parent's grandchild. And you wouldn't deny the fact that that child is not only your child, but also a sibling to their brothers and their sisters. You wouldn't deny the fact that that child has friends and that they have that relationship with those around them. We're very much aware at a birthday party that that person is something to us. They mean something directly to us. But you also know that they mean something to other people as well. And it's a little different. When it comes to the birthday of our Savior, when He came, He didn't just come as a baby. We're going to talk about that. But He came as so many things. And so each Sunday, I want to share with you, when Jesus came, when Jesus was born, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating that He came as different things. Different things. And He, all of those things... He can mean that to us. Jesus doesn't have to be just one thing to you. You can celebrate many, many things. And we're not going to cover them all. Uh, we're just going to take some, some services, some five services, to cover these different things. And, and today, if you are taking notes, you see in the bulletin that we are celebrating the fact that He came as the Word. He came as the Word. And that sounds a little, you know, like uh, maybe you've not heard of that one before. That's a little different. Uh, it sounds a little plain, um, not even sure what to think about that, but if you would join me in turning to John chapter 1, verse 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 1, it's page 750 in the Pew Bible if you'd like to use that, but if you have your own copy of the Scriptures or if you have it electronically, please use that, please use that, I think it would be wonderful. Uh, I always love to preface a little bit of background as we go into a passage. This is an exciting passage where John is going to identify Christ as the Word, and we'll talk about what that means. But understand, when John wrote this, John was an eyewitness of what Jesus did. John, the Apostle John walked with Jesus, 
they slept on the road, you know, together as a group. He saw everything. He was at the foot of the cross. He was probably the closest apostle to Christ's mother, Mary. Uh, we can assume that from when Christ was dying on the cross, he looked down and said, um, Mother, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. I mean, he looked right at John and said, Listen, you're now to care for her as if she was your mom. All right? So John was the closest apostle to Mary. And so when John writes and records some of the things that took place in Jesus' life um, around his calling and all these things, he's like, so Mary, tell me, what was it like? What was it like in the manger? What was it like, you know, in these places? And he heard from Mary what Christmas was like. And, and he wrote down many things, and, and he shares them with us. Well, here in this gospel, here in this record that the eyewitness John records, he starts off with this thesis statement, you know, it, it, a term, a phrase used to both capture the attention of the reader and also to state, what am I going to write? This whole book, what is it about? One of the most powerful uh, verses in regards to a testimony of Jesus Christ. And here's what John wrote in John chapter 1, in verse 1. He said, in the beginning was the Word. Now, I, I definitely have to pause and, and give you a definition for what is he talking about, because in some translations it's capitalized because John is referring to the person of Jesus Christ. But what does this what does this mean, word? Uh, the Greek word is logos. It, it's translated word. That is the best translation. It also means message. That would be another word you could use, like the message. And it definitely includes the idea of truth. So when you read word, you're talking about God's message of truth. That is what John is trying to encapsulate when he says this, he says, in the beginning was God's message of truth. And we say, yeah, of course. God was in the beginning. He's eternal. He goes back. The people that John is writing this to, they're going, yeah, okay, I understand. God was in the beginning, and he had a message of truth, and it was in the beginning. I get it. I agree with that. I understand. And it says, and the Word was with God. I mean, at that point, the reader that first reads this, who, who maybe is not familiar with Jesus Christ, goes, well, yeah. God was in the beginning. His message of truth was in the beginning. They were together. I understand. But then John is about to say something that really challenged a lot of people back then. And he was very specific and very exact with what he was about to say. And the word was God. And then he says something even more drastic. He was with God in the beginning. And all of a sudden, I think the person who's not familiar with Jesus Christ back then when they read this goes, wait a minute, he? I understand that there was God and in the beginning there was a message of truth that God had and it was with him. I, I understand that. And, and, and this is why the reader would, was immediately kind of confused. He says, Wait, the message was a he? Who, who he? He who? What is that? A, a message is something that's written down or spoken by someone. A message isn't someone. 
This is very different. And Paul's like, no, he was in the beginning with God. And almost as a teaser, okay, John leaves this idea of the Word, and from verse 3 down through 13, he talks about light. And we're not going to look at those verses today. Um, beautiful, incredible passage, but I want to focus in on this idea of the Word. He kind of leaves it out there because a lot of readers would have been like, what are you talking about? God's message of truth is a person. What are you talking about? In, in verse 14, he comes back to what he said, but he does give us one, one big truth that I, I, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to see, is the Word was in the beginning. The Word was in the beginning. He's going to introduce us to this idea that the Word is Christ, but this was the idea. The Word was in the beginning. This message of truth was in the beginning. In verse 2, he said, he was with God in the beginning. Verse 14, John's coming back to what he introduces in verse 2. In verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I know I keep interrupting this passage, but you got to understand. God shared his message of truth in a lot of ways throughout history. A lot of ways. If we go back to creation uh, we, in Genesis, we read about how God was present with Adam and Eve. God could, could walk with them. There was no sin. And so God just walked with them. His message of truth was shared almost face-to-face, for lack of a better term, Day in and day out, that, that message was there. Um, then God decided to share his message of truth through a family. He, he saw Abraham. He said, Abraham, listen, man, I, I'm going to have a relationship with you that's special. And it wasn't just because Abraham was it and God wanted to relate only to Abraham. God wanted to share his message of truth through Abraham and his family, so that the people around him would go, there's something different about that family. I want to know what's different. I want to know what's special. I, and I, maybe, maybe they worship something I'm not worshiping. I need to find out. That's how God's message of truth was spoken. It was through a family. And then it, as we read through the Old Testament, we see that all of a sudden it was through a nation. This is when Israel was pulled out of Egypt And God uh, led them through the wilderness. Moses went up. He received the Ten Commandments. And God said, okay. And he started to instruct a people of one to two million to say, you are now going to be a nation. And this is how I'm going to relate to you. And it's not because you're it. It's not because you're the only thing I care about. It's because you're going to be so different that all the nations around you go, I don't know what it is about them, but I want to find out. What makes them special? You're gonna, my relationship to you, Israel, is going to be so appealing that the foreigners around you will want to be a part of what I'm doing with you. You're going to be my message of truth. So God shared his message of truth through uh, face-to-face to Adam and Eve, then through a family, then through a nation. The nation kind of fell apart. They decided they'd rather be like everyone around them than to be special So instead of them influencing the nations around them, the nations around them influenced them, and the nation fell apart. And so God moved to sharing his message of truth through prophets, through men and women who were very specifically chosen at different times and places 
And God would speak directly to them through a vision, through a dream, through something audible. And then the prophet's job was to share it. This is where we get a lot of the books toward the end of the Old Testament are written by prophets who had a specific message for a specific time. God was sharing his message with truth. And I share that history with you because after that point, God was silent for 400 years. The Old Testament was written down. There was oral tradition, but God did not speak through a prophet, through a nation, through a family, nothing. So when John writes this and says God's message of truth is being spoken to you now, and let's now read it again in verse 14, the word, the God's message of truth became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's message has been given to us in a way never thought of before. It was in flesh. I mean, John is writing this, and he's remembering the time when he sat down at the Last Supper and his head was in the chest of Christ. The message was flesh. He dwelt among them. John shook hands with Christ. He, he kissed him on the cheek. He hugged him. Uh, Christ did the same likewise unto John. They ate meals together. I mean, this was God's message of truth delivered to mankind in a way never seen before in history. In flesh and bone dwelling among us. What an incredible, incredible thing. When we think of God... Um, sharing his message and reaching out to mankind. For the first time, it was this, the Word became flesh. When we celebrate Christ's birth, we're celebrating the fact that God never gave up on mankind. And he said, I'm going to send my one and only Son. And he's going to choose to reject the perfection of heaven. And still being fully God, that's why, that's why John says, you know, he was in the beginning. Still being fully God, he's going to take on the form of a man. And he's going to experience what mankind experiences. And he's going to live a sinless life and ultimately pay a sacrifice for everyone's sin. God didn't want to give up on you or me or the people back then, he didn't want to give up on mankind. He said, I'm trying something totally different. I'm sending you my message of truth in the form of my son, in a way that you can see it and feel it and touch it. That's what Jesus was. He was this message. Now in verse 15, we hear about another John. It says, John, this would be John the Baptist, uh, explained in, in the passage uh, 3 through 13 and in other passages of Scripture, but that's who he's talking about, John the Baptist. John testifies concerning him, concerning Christ. He, being John, cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John the Baptist, again, and John's quoting him, quoting John the Baptist, and there's a lot of testimony just in this one book in reference to the deity of Jesus Christ. I just want to share them with you. I don't want to go into all of them because I want to really focus in on the Word here. But in verse 15, we see this. We see that the Word was witnessed. I, like, what I referred to John, I said he was eyewitness account. First one, John the Apostle, 
in the verse we just read, testified that Jesus was God. John the Baptist, now in verse 15, testifies Jesus is God. Also in John, and I, I, I want to leave them up here long enough that if you want to record them, write them down in your bulletin and check them out later, I'll make sure you write them down. If not, you come up to me afterwards, I'll make sure you get them. Nathaniel, John chapter 1, later in the chapter 49, testifies that Jesus was God. Peter, John chapter 6 and verse 69, Jesus, you are God. In chapter 9, same book, verses 35 through 38, the blind man who Christ healed testified saying, you are God. Surely you are God. And that's an amazing story, by the way. I would, if you're only going to look at one, look at that one. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of funny at times because religious leaders are telling the blind man, no, he can't be God. And the blind man goes, well, I don't know about all that, but I was blind and now I see he must be God. I mean, it's an amazing story. Uh, Martha, who saw Jesus growing up, they were family, uh, close friends. John chapter 11, 27 says, you are God. Jesus, you are God. Um, Thomas, the doubting apostle, at the end, toward the end of this book, says, you're it. Jesus, you're God. I believe it. Lastly, and I just threw it in there, very important for us to realize, let's not make something less of Jesus than what he said of himself. Jesus says many times, but here's two places in the Gospel of John, that he himself was God. Jesus said, I'm God. So if we're going to say something different about him, we have to wrestle with something very uncomfortable, either that Jesus was crazy or that he, in fact, was God and we need to change our view of him. So it was witnessed. It was witnessed. I can leave those last four up there. If you missed the first four and you want them, just come see me. I'd be happy to give those to you. It was witnessed. The word was witnessed, meaning it's not just one person kind of telling us this. Many people saw him, people who grew up with him, People who were with him every day. Think about it. Later, later on in the New Testament, in the book of James, James was a, a brother, or I guess we would say half-brother of Jesus, uh, born of Mary. James testifies saying, he is the Christ. He is God. What would it take for the people you grew up with and your brother to say, yeah, you're God? I'm not anywhere close to that. I don't think you're that close. These are people who saw him all the time and were willing to proclaim that he was God. The word was witnessed. The word was witnessed. He was in the beginning. He was witnessed. And now we get to verse 16. And I want to read these uh, verses to you, 16 through 18. From the fullness of his grace. We have all received one blessing after another. Or some translations word it this way, blessing upon blessing. They're just piling up. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Uh, This is the last thing for your notes. The word accomplished everything. God's message of truth embodied in the life of Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, 
accomplished everything. Check this out. These three verses talk about three different things. In verse 16, again, I read for you. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. He's saying everyone, everyone has access to God's grace. Grace being unmerited favor. Something that we don't deserve, that He's just giving to us freely. That's what giving is. It's not, it's not qualifying the receiver. It's not saying, what are they going to do for me in the future? Giving is just saying, I have no idea what you've done or what you're going to do, but I'm going to give you something. Now, in the case of our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace is even bigger than that because He knows everything you and I have done in the past. Every failure I have done, He knows. Every failure that I've, I've yet to do, He knows. And He says, grace upon grace grace one after another. God's just giving it, even though he's aware of all my failures and your failures as well. He offers you grace. For, for some, for some that, that you care about, for some that may even be here this morning, you haven't received that initial gift of God's grace, the salvation, where he says, listen, I'm aware of your failures, but I don't care. That son whom I sent in the cradle that was in the stable, who embodied flesh, he paid the price for your sin. And I'm giving you salvation freely. All you have to do is believe. Maybe you're here this morning and and you haven't made that choice. I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a moment to say, God, I want your grace. I want to receive your message of truth. So everyone can receive grace. God, The word accomplished everything. We receive grace. Verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Very, very wonderful verse. It's referring to, you know, in the Old Testament, we read about how God gave us the law. Grace and truth were still present. One can misread that verse or misinterpret that verse sometimes. But grace and truth were present back then. Salvation was always through faith in God's salvation. But the law given in the Old Testament, given to that nation that we mentioned earlier, allowed man to see their sin, allowed man to realize that they were in need of salvation. There's an incredible passage, incredible story that we read in the Old Testament where at one time the law was lost. This was during that time where the nation was falling apart and they were in exile and then they came back. And as they were trying to rebuild the temple, rebuild a place to worship, they found in the wall God's law. And they read it for the first time in, in, in I forget how many years, a long time. They read it and they realized that they were in sin. Because without the law, who's to determine what's right or wrong? And they repented and, and just weeped before God. God, forgive us. You have to have a law in order to understand truth and grace. But Jesus, when he came, embodied truth and grace and provided salvation to you and to me. So our salvation, we look back at God's work of salvation. But the word accomplished everything. Grace was given to everyone. 
grace and truth were realized in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And then finally, in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side. And here's John again saying, listen, Jesus is God. Jesus was at the Father's side. It was God the Son next to God the Father. And it ends, it, he ends it in this. He says, this message of truth embodied in, in the person of Jesus Christ, that last phrase there, has made him known. The Word accomplished everything. When Jesus came, he embodied God message, God's message of truth. But he was, he was there to make God known to all of us. Every time we have a question, well, what's God like? Well, let's read the gospel. Let's read about what Jesus did. Because everything Jesus did is what God's like. Because he was here to make God known. In what he said, in what he did, in his attitude, in his heart, as he experienced things in his life that we will never experience, crucifixion on the cross, uh, betrayal, uh, other things that we will experience, hunger. He experienced all those things. And in every situation, he made known to you and to me what God the Father is like. So Christ, Christ accomplished everything. The Word accomplished everything. What does this look like for you and for me? I think um, for many of us, for many of us, it's hopefully deepening our understanding of what we celebrate at Christmas. When we say, thank you, Christ, for you know, thank you, God the Father, for sending your Son to be born in a, you know, in a manger, we can't imagine that. We can't imagine that. It's hard to even fathom. But you can fathom it a little bit more when you understand that God was sending Jesus to embody his message of truth. It's, it's another way to appreciate what we celebrate at Christmas. Why, why we sing songs. Why we take time to read his, the story. Why we watch movies that maybe help us to imagine what it must have been like for Mary and for Joseph and for Jesus to be born like that. To just engage with that story. Hopefully it deepens our understanding. You can celebrate His birthday as not just a baby or your Savior, which is still wonderful, but you can now celebrate it as the, He was the embodiment of God's message of truth. And as I, I said a little earlier, maybe you've never received God's gift of salvation, that initial grace. God's grace continues. You know that. As someone, if you're here and you have known Christ for a time, you know that His grace isn't one and done. It's grace upon grace. But if you've never experienced that initial gift, I invite everyone right now just to, to close your eyes and bow your heads and I want to just give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to maybe receive that gift of salvation for the first time. It, you may say a prayer, it, your own words, whatever you want, but this is what you could repeat after me. It would be, Lord Jesus, I realize that I am in need of salvation. Please save me. I receive your gift of salvation. 
And just, again, so I can, I can follow up with you and reach out to you and maybe counsel you if you are desiring that, I just ask anyone that would have raised their hand, anyone that had worded that prayer just to raise their hand so I can just reach out to you this week. Thank you. Thank you. Ed is going to come. You can remain in, in prayer. Ed's going to come and close us in a word of prayer and give us a benediction.